Good morning. I'm Harley Schlanger from the LaRouche Organization with your daily update for January 12th, 2022. Well, the Russian-U.S.-NATO strategic talks continue today in Brussels following the meetings in Geneva on January 10th. And at the same time, there is more evidence emerging that a regime change operation was just outflanked in Kazakhstan. So those are the two leading stories we'll be focusing on today. Uh, I want to begin with the two statements released from the Geneva talks, one from uh, Sergei Ryabkov, the Russian deputy foreign minister, the other from Wendy Sherman, the deputy secretary of state, the two leading participants in that meeting. Now, these are somewhat terse statements. They're typical. They both said the discussions were frank, serious, and, and so on. But Ryabkov made some specific points, which showed that the Russians are not looking for some kind of simple uh, uh, concession or uh, agreement, but are insisting on a radical transformation of relations between Russia and NATO. Uh, Ryabkov said, we presented our concerns. Uh, the attempts to intimidate Russia over Ukraine are unacceptable. And this is a reference to NATO expansion, uh, whether it's de facto membership to Ukraine and NATO, or whether it's merely uh, reinforcing Ukrainian defense and, and weaponry and offensive weaponry. That's unacceptable. Uh, he made the point that radical changes are necessary in Russian-NATO relationship and he highlighted this by saying, we are fed up with loose talk, half promises, and misinterpretations regarding the U.S. promises that were made in 1990 to the Russians that there would be no eastward expansion of NATO. This is part of the, the two new treaties that have been drafted by the Russians between Russia and the U.S. and Russia and NATO. This is the ostensible subject of the talks. Uh, the U.S. ruled out of hand any serious agreement on this, but this is what the Russians are insisting is essential if there's to be progress made. Wendy Sherman, on her part, said the talks were frank and forthright. Uh, she said the U.S. is open to discussing missile deployments in Europe, that is, Russian and, and NATO missiles. Uh, but she said the U.S. remains firm on the issue of NATO expansion. We will not accept a Russian veto of the possibility of Ukraine joining NATO. This is up to the United States, NATO, and the individual partners, not to Russia, which is not part of NATO. And then she reiterated the threat that there would be significant sanctions against Russia if it invaded Ukraine. And she continued the line of blaming Russia for the tensions. Uh, similarly, uh, Another Undersecretary of State, Victoria Nuland, who played a leading role in the coup in Ukraine in February 2014, she came out and, and gave a hostile uh, attack against Russia, accusing Russia of causing all the problems that exist with Ukraine. Now, what Sherman ended with was saying that a better understanding of each other's concerns and priorities was the result of the meeting. Now, the media in general is saying that nothing changed, that there was an impasse that was hit, uh, implying that the tensions will continue and also implying that Russia is at fault. 
Now we have a slightly different view presented by former CIA analyst Ray McGovern. Uh, McGovern basically gave some wise advice. He said, ignore media accounts. The media is part of the problem. He said the agreement to discuss missile emplacement is very significant because that was something that Biden agreed to in the two discussions in, in December with Putin. And he said this is a crucial part of improving the prospects of peaceful or for a peaceful resolution. So that's a, a significant point. His assessment is available at antiwar.com. Now, the second topic is the Kazakhstan riots, which are directly related to these security talks between Russia, the United States, and NATO, because the destabilization of Kazakhstan was launched to coincide with the time of these talks to create what would be a distraction or diversion for Russia and the effort to create the image of Russia as authoritarian, anti-democratic, and so on. Well, it appears as though this has been completely outflanked because the, the destabilization was met by a prompt deployment by Russia and other member nations of the collective security, uh, uh, security treaty organization that preempted a coup. Now, evidence has been presented in the last days, it's been pulled together by the Russians and by the Kazakh authorities, which unmistakably show that there was central coordination of this, that this central coordination included the role of the deployment of Islamic jihadists who had experience from fighting in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan, and that they were involved with the ending of the war in Afghanistan, with the Taliban takeover, with the uh, winding down of the involvements in Syria and Iraq, it meant that forces were able to be deployed, including Uyghurs, including others from Central Asia, who were part of the Islamic jihadist movement in these never-ending wars, that they were brought in to Kazakhstan to run the destabilization. Now, Putin gave a talk uh, in which he, uh, there was a virtual summit of the Sesto nations, and what Putin said is they intervened to defend the foundations of the state. They stopped what he called terrorists, criminals, and looters, who were, quote, well-organized and apparently trained in foreign terrorist camps. And they've determined this by some of the people that have been captured and also some of the people who were killed, who they've traced back to the jihadist forces. Uh, he referred to the use of Maidan technologies, a reference to the Ukraine coup in 2014, in particular using popular discontent as a cover for the deployment of terrorists. In Maidan, this was discontent over the decision by Yanukovych to not dump the relationship with Russia and embrace the European Union, but to try to remain neutral. Uh, this led to popular discontent, uprisings, and formed the cover for the deployment of well-organized militia units that were tied to the neo-Nazi organizations of the Azov Battalion and the Bandera Brigades. Uh, the same thing appears to be the case in Kazakhstan. 
what Putin said on this is that Russia will not allow a color revolution to occur. So it appears as though the lesson of Ukraine for Russia is early intervention, very sharp attack on the networks involved, and treating them as a military problem, not a popular uprising. The government of, of Kazakhstan has promised reform, promised to address the problem of higher gas prices, and it, it appears as though the situation has been at least temporarily stabilized to the extent that the uh, SESTO forces will be leaving this week, despite the fact that uh, Blinken said that it's unlikely that they'll ever leave Kazakhstan. So you can see from this brief report the intensity of the strategic confrontation. This is directed still from Britain, from the city of London. It has to do with the collapsing economy of the world has to do with the uh, failure of nations under the current world order to be able to successfully address their problems as sovereign nations. Europe is, is particularly vulnerable right now as nations have had their power to act taken away from them by the European Union. And with the use of NATO, the threat that if you don't play by the rules, you'll be victimized by that. So what's essential is to go back to the idea of sovereign nations cooperating to help each other with mutual economic development. That's what Mrs. LaRouche means by ending geopolitics. And that's the urgent part of the agenda for everyone who loves freedom and, and the idea that we can have uh, a world of plenty that takes into consideration the needs of all humans. So thanks for joining me today. I'll be back again tomorrow with an update on the U.S.-NATO-Russia meetings taking place in Brussels.